Welcome to the 100 Club. I'm Tom and I'm joined by Rich Nolly and it's time to review the tournament. The finals have been completed, the trophies have been handed out, but what did we make of it all? Find out now. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome back. Ollie, how are you doing? How is your young daughter coping with being the BBC face of the finals? Yeah, she she seems to uh, she seems to be the poster girl of the hundred. Uh, um, much to the uh, much to the annoyance of my elder daughter. <laughs> yeah. well, for those who won't understand what that means, um, I should just explain that your a picture of your daughter is being widely used in the press releases for all sorts of things on the BBC right now. Yeah, she's, uh, she's she's two, and she was she was <laughs> waving her arms around very enthusiastically at every uh, every boundary and every wicket. So she was she was hedging her bets as to who she was supporting. That's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she, uh, she was quite photogenic and a good poster poster child for the encouraging of new fans to the game. And uh, yeah, she, at the minute she's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say presumably to the the annoyance of Alice Capsey as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we. I think we, we can redress that balance today because we are going to talk about the cricket itself. And why don't we start, in fact, with that women's final? Um, we were all there, clearly, and we can talk about that experience itself. But what were your impressions of the of the, the women's final, which ended up with, ultimately, the Oval Invincibles overcoming the Southern Braves? Rich, what, what was your opinion? Well, it was a surprise, wasn't it? Um, the Southern Brave had gone into the game having won seven of eight of their group games you know top top of the top of the pile they um had beaten the invincibles fairly handily uh, earlier that week so i think most observers in the ground were expecting a relatively comfortable win but it didn't turn out that way you know, yeah it's, go on carol no no it's something I, I i had to keep reminding myself you know that these teams have played before you know, so it wasn't a, it wasn't like as a pyramid structure, and actually, I didn't find myself looking back to that form. But if I had, I'd have been even more surprised, perhaps. Yeah, uh, the Invincibles, I guess, had the advantage that they played the day before in a must-win game, mm. and took some of that form in. And I think the other thing they had going for them was that you know Marazan Cap had come back in uh, after missing a few games for injury, and she was in fine form. Ended up with the best bowling figures of the tournament, taking four for nine. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's kind of it really shouldn't be underestimated just how important Cap is to to that side. Um, you know, not not least of you know obviously the bowling is you know was was fantastic on the day, um, but but also you know she kind of she got them to a point where you know the, the the total looked defendable, but I kind of also think that when she's in the side, Van Nierkirk bats better. I think something about just knowing that she's in. You know, cap still to come in just gives a little bit more freedom to Van Nierkirk. Obviously, there's some other talented batters in that lineup as well. But for, for me, as you looked at the sort of the games through the tournament, it looked as if Van Nierkirk just seemed to bat with a little bit more fluency when when Cap was also in the in the side. So, yeah, I think you know Cap you know coming back in was was really important for the um, really important for the Invincibles. I think I mean, they won it with the bat. To be, if I was to be honest, yeah. I think the Oval Invincibles won that with the bat, with a, a, a set of um, figures, none of which were spectacular, twenties, thirties, but from down from two down to about six, actually putting a, a, a decent total for them to defend. Sorry, Rich, go on. I was going to say let's give a shout out to the organisers at this point because the conditions were tricky. Um, mm. It was a surprise they got started at three o'clock. We'd had a lot of rain around in the day, and um, there was quite a few 
short, sharp showers during the Southern Brave innings as well, where in normal cricket, I think you know, we all agreed they probably would have gone off, but they played through it, which meant that the conditions were you know, a little bit tricky to bat in for both sides. Um, and I think we all we all thought once the Invincibles got up to uh, above 110, I think they ended up with you know, 115 in the end, that given their, the strength in their bowling, that they were well in the game. Yeah, and I mean, you can give Cap the nod for a great performance. It was uh, Donovan Nickirk, I think, who took the, the Player of the Game uh, award. Uh, and Cappy, a fine tournament for her. Maybe we'll come back to her when we're talking about some of the, the performances overall. But one thing I didn't like was Cap maybe bouncing out Lauren Bell <laughs> with 40 required off three balls. No, that, that, for me, was... I think we're going to do champagne moments a bit later. <laughs> but for me, that was one of the champagne moments because I think yeah. uh, if, you, if, you, if you had any doubt that women's cricket is, is fiercely competitive... And that you know, I've I've talked kind of at length how I like some genuinely quick bowlers in, um, and I, one of the things I want from my quick bowlers is a bit of aggression. And so yeah, if you are, you know, I, I think I said at the start of that that set, I bet if she gets hit for four, she's not going to be happy with this. Even though it me. was for, it was forty needed, wasn't it? With, yeah. with you know, you've got the number eleven at the at the crease in what were some suspiciously clean looking pads i think from lauren but i'm not sure how much batting she'd done in those pads they look like they'd come straight out of the plastic wrappers and onto her legs well, well she um, hadn't batted she hadn't batted in the she had, yeah, I, don't think she, I don't think she'd done that much in the nets either because they look shiny new those pads yeah. um yeah it's one through extra cover i think it was and yeah i said that's cap's not gonna be happy with that next ball chin music yeah <laughs> it's well, by it. that point it it's was all year. over. It was yeah. all over by that point. And uh, so a, a fine performance by the Ovals, Invincibles women. Um, and I think, yeah, probably a shock result, we'd call that one. Would we call the men's result a similarly unexpected shock? Southern Brave clearly overcoming the Birmingham Phoenix. Ollie, what did you make of that one? Uh, I, I, don't think, I don't think this was this was such a shock. I mean, I think the... We've known that the the Birmingham Phoenix have you know have looked really really impressive with uh, with the batting hand, but you know we've also known that you know the the Southern Brave have been really good with the ball, and I think this was you know kind of one of those where you know was the best bowling attack going to win out over the best best batting lineup, and it was kind of you know, a bit of bit of scoreboard pressure, you know sort of did for it. Yeah, I think I think that was if you if they'd been batting the other way around, you know, would the Phoenix have gone on and you know been able to put on a you know really imposing total? Well, you know, maybe they would. Maybe they would have been able to bat bat the Brave out of the game because I do think you know the um, you know the, the Phoenix batting lineup kind of you know, just had more power in it, but got to be able to deliver it under the pressure of a run chase and you know just a couple of moments you know didn't go their way. Um, we'll probably talk about the run out. I suppose the surprise is then the way the game was won because you tend to think of the Southern Brave, you know, restricting with the ball and then being very efficient with the bat. But actually, you know, they posted a very you know competitive total on the back of a you know Paul Sterling sixty odd and then you know Ross Whiteley at the end smashing you know forty four of nineteen I think it was. Yeah. So the idea of them sort of putting up a big score and then defending it was a little bit different to how they got to the final. But uh, yeah. yeah, perhaps not a surprise. Yeah, and it felt it felt like those those runs at the end really took a took a decent total into one that sort of I think was going to be more than 
more than the Phoenix would have been comfortable chasing. Yeah. And I think, you know, one, you know, sort of Sterling's efforts sort of got, got them back, got them going again after a pretty sluggish start. And I think sort of got them into the game. But I think it was the Whiteley runs that sort of took it away from, took it away from the Phoenix. So I think they were both up at around 115 after 70 balls. So they were within 10 runs of each other for three quarters of that innings. And and most people are going to say the living Livingston uh, dismissal is the turning point, a terrible first run, uh, and then yeah. just caught out completely by, with a great bit of fielding by Tim David. But ultimately, there could have been someone else who stuck their hand up from the Birmingham Phoenix just to get them over the line with, with big runs in the last 30 balls. It didn't happen because... Ultimately, Timor Mills, Chris Jordan had plenty of balls left in in the hand, as it were, and, and did the job. Yeah, and I think I think that's it, right? You, you know, to, so you know, Chris Benjamin, Benny Howell, you know, have, you know, scored decent decent lower order runs, you know, in, you know, in a sort of you know, earlier in the competition, and you know, a decent strike rate, but they hadn't had to do it against Jordan and Mills, and I think you know that me was was the difference you know that it was it was kind of still manageable when the, the middle order were batting but you know the quality of the bowling you know meant they just didn't they couldn't get it back couldn't accelerate again after you know after after losing Livingston I think it was the Livingston run out though that was the critical moment uh he was really motoring at that point I think he just hit you know I think it was 14 off the previous three balls sort of survived a bit of a half chance mm. um and then, yeah, you're right. It was good fielding, but I don't necessarily think Tim David is is aiming for the stumps there. I think it's a bit of a no. Right. no I, 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 let's be clear. Think, it's good fielding, but it it was worse running. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And you, you make your own luck. And we saw that in the women's final as well, where mm. you know Sophia Dunkley went for a, you know was out cheaply, caught a second slip, but Van Nieke mm. had a second slip in you know two yeah. slips in 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 the, the early stages of the game. So, but I think if, if Livingston bats another 15, 20 balls, then I think Phoenix win that game. Quite possibly. Well, well okay. I think they. I, I don't. I don't know whether they win it, but they. They give themselves a chance. It felt like after that they, you know, they perhaps they thought that you know they'd all thought in the dressing room that you know exactly that if we need Livingston to stick around for us to win this game, so you know when he it, well, let's let's be honest when he runs himself out yeah. because if you know what do you teach kids when they're you know when they're starting to to play cricket and they're learning to run between the wickets. You know, don't don't just ball watch and run hard. And he was guilty of just you know flouncing around in the <laughs> mid pitch, looking at whether the catch was going to be taken. So yeah, he runs himself out. Yeah. Okay. So that one, those games clearly well covered in in uh, in much of the media as well. But we were there, and we had the privilege, myself and Rich as well, of being at the Eliminators Day, the previous day at the Oval, uh, and that that they were my first live in-person game experiences for myself. So I, I think that was a, an interesting take for me. So I, I, I'm interested in what you thought of the finals experience, but I might open it up in terms of, I thought it was a good experience. Uh, and I thought the, um, the the cricket on show was actually not perhaps some of the best games we've seen throughout the tournament, certainly on the eliminated day. I don't think I've seen a, a worse game in the tournament than the, 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 uh, the men's eliminator. But actually what we saw was everything that you've described to me in terms of the atmosphere, the crowd we saw there. Um, I enjoyed the music act. I enjoyed the, 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 the food and the way they handled everything. Was there anything for you to add in terms of what you saw over these two days? Well, I, think I think it was, it, it was very impressive on the, uh, on the final day um, that they, that they started on time. I think it took everybody by surprise a little yeah. bit because, 
you know, certainly kind of anyone that's, you know, been to kind of any form of, you know, kind of international or sort of top level cricket, when it's been wet, you arrive for the start of the start of the session and you expect to see like the umpires standing around a bloke with a brush <laughs> sweeping, yeah. you know, and every and some groundsmen scratching their heads, you know, and you know, it's sort of, if it's wet, you somehow for some reason the start is inevitably delayed. So, you know, credit to the organizers for saying, well, it's been wet, it but we're just gonna get it on. Everyone's watching, let's get on with it. And you know, it wasn't the easiest conditions, I think, to play in, but you know, they you know, the, the sort of big media spotlight was not, you know, immediately shining upon you know, and some, I think what it helped is, some soppers. What I think it helped though is the ECB releasing the press statement the day before, making it quite clear that they were gonna make that game happen. And I think that probably put the uh, the, the 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 imperative, as it were, in the groundsman's start in the heads. Uh, Rich, what do you think? I thought it worked very well. I mean, I've seen a few people in the press saying that perhaps the uh, you know, the finals should be split. You know, should the finals day itself should be a double header. But hmm. I, I thought I thought it worked incredibly well. We had a record crowd for a women's domestic match once again, um, the first ever domestic final to be played at Lords. It was a very diverse crowd in. I've been going to Lords for thirty years, and I don't think I've ever seen such a mixed crowd in. Um, I think actually the the music elements of it worked very well. Um, in terms of filling those sort of little gaps between between the games, keeping everybody engaged. Um, I think you can, and we'll talk into some of the issues around the tournament later, but in terms of the, the match day experience, I think you have to say that they've they've done a decent job. And even though the games of cricket weren't, you know, close finishes, I think it's fair to say all four of them were sort of compelling games of cricket for one game, mm. one reason or another. Yeah. Good stuff on that. I'm I'm downloading uh, Jack Jones's uh, complete back catalogue already, so that, that that's worked for me. Uh, um, okay, so decent in that sense, and and the the, uh, the ticket sales figures are starting to come out now. Ninety percent of all tickets across the tournament sold. Clearly, not ninety percent attendance, and there's various reasons for that. Uh, COVID being the most obvious. Um, and of those, twenty one percent went to women, twenty percent to kids. So forty percent women and children that's an improvement i think in terms of the audience that are turning up there and you just had to walk around see the number of families you know taking selfies or just saying how it was their first experience of cricket or friends explaining to each other how the game was going to happen like that okay let's talk about some of the tournament highlights then if we can so let's start with and i've been through the prediction show again i'm not going to embarrass us (laughs) and say what was (laughs) what we said in that Pile of uh, pile of predictions and optimism. Um, that was a total pile of predictions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's leave it at that. Um, okay, game of the tournament. Uh, Ollie, give us your game of the tournament. All right. Well, uh, I mean, we, you can um, give us a man's and a woman's game. Yeah, well. we should, I suppose we shouldn't shouldn't talk about the predictions too much. But uh, I did predict. I think that the Northern Superchargers might either be the best or possibly the worst team in the tournament i think you know to a certain extent i was right in that at times they were you know a bit shoddy yeah that's solid mid-table performance proving yeah, they yeah. were both the best and the worst yeah so, so in some games yeah. this isn't a dickens novel times you were screaming out to just accelerate set a decent target here, and they just plodded yeah. along but thankfully right that's thankfully they did save uh their best batting performance for the game you know that that really mattered, really, if you're a Superchargers fan. Um, you know, because you questioned before the tournament, you know, do these do these newly formed teams, you know, kind of, are they going to spark the 
you know the imagination are these rivalries gonna gonna really exist well northern superchargers um versus manchester originals it mattered <laughs> and what you know what a game to to then go on and pile on 200 runs i think what did you your model say it was less than one percent chance of someone getting to 200 less than three percent rich's model put at a 200 score wow yeah, yeah, and no good, one else good really got that close. No one. No. I mean, the, the second highest was one eighty odd. Yeah, no one yeah. else got into the one nineties. Cool. So yeah, right. it felt like a derby game, and you know, yep. some comedy fielding as well to help it along. You know, let's Horrible not, let's fielding. Let's not, <laughs> not pull any punches there. Yeah. But yeah, right. very entertaining as a Superchargers fan. Yeah, slightly biased perhaps. Uh, go on, Rich. Your best men's game. Again, Superchargers involved, and relatively early on in the tournament, it was the uh, Superchargers-Rockets game, where the Rockets snuck home by two wickets. Um, a very strange game, where I think the, the Superchargers had got, you know, 134, I think it was. You know, Simpson top scored with 42. And then, you know, the, the Rockets kept losing wickets the whole way through. But strangely enough, Alex Hales was still there, even though he was sort of scratching along and struggling to score at run a ball. And then, if you recall, with about you know twenty balls to go, a you know a streaker runs onto the field. Mm. Ben Stokes, as Superchargers captain, complains and says the ball must be replayed. Off the replayed ball is a dropped catch by Drop Ben Stokes. Catch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you know, Matt Carter at number ten hits you know, thirteen off eight balls, and the uh, you know Hales finally sort of finds the middle of his bat, and they sneak home by by two wickets. I mean that was a compelling game. Yeah. My my women's one is is an interesting one in that it was a close game, but it was not necessarily the the, the best match of the tournament. I accept that, but it was the spirit beating the Superchargers at Lords because during that run chase, which they ultimately mm. got home by two balls to spare when DeAndre Dotton, um, yeah. you know, made fifty not out. I found myself, you know, this new team that I was watching in the stadium for only the second time that I, you know, on this podcast said, "Ah, oh, these these are going to be my people, my my team." I was genuinely sat there invested in them winning. And when they got over <laughs> the line, it was a genuine punch in the air moment that that was their first <laughs> win at Lords. You know, they'd won their first game away at Edgebuster. But that that was it. That was like, yes, I I, I have a, a, an empathy with this team. These are, you know, I really like this group of cricketers. And um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was an interesting moment for me. Having spent three days with you recently, um, you haven't taken that hat <laughs> off. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it now. <laughs> Your London spirit tattoo and all of that can can can, can, yeah, can get absolutely. done. Uh, I, I'm similar to you. And I want. I, I'm not a stats guy. You know, I'm not. I, I'm a. I'm a blood and guts, emotions and storylines kind of sports person. So I think I've gone for the the ones that you know sort of made me think this is really good cricket this is i've got an ebb and a flow and a storyline to it. actually so for the women's game i've gone for the very first game the the master originals versus the over invincibles the the the, the whole razzmatazz of that the there's the um the starry-eyed players coming out the nerves and all of that and just the the fact that this tournament that we don't know anything about just comes on the scene and actually looks like it might be something really important uh for cricket, if, if, certainly women's cricket, if not men's cricket as well. And then actually I went for the last game of the group stages as my men's game of the tournament, London Spirit Welsh Fire, a dead rubber. You'd think nothing to it at all in, in terms of glory, but actually they play their hearts out, those teams. And uh, it's a really good quality game when the Welsh Fire, you think, are absolutely going to be dead and buried. Glenn Phillips comes in. It's a magnificent 80 
Uh, and Kais Ahmed uh, carves up a few boundaries at the end to get him across the line. And again, it's the fist-punching moment for me, and that's what I want to see. And I think you'll see that in most of my uh, sort of tournament review questions. I want a bit of emotion. <laughs> Go on, Ollie. I think we need your yeah. women's game in the tournament. Well, I was just going to say, I, I completely agree about that that opening game, you know, on the, in the women's side. Not, not least because I think it was it was quite important sort of for the format because it it was able to ebb and flow that game. And in that run chase, it looked like the uh, the Invincibles were were out of it, and it kind of they took were down a really... to about seven percent on win. Yeah, it took it, and it kind of it felt like that as well. But then you know it was just calm heads, you know, mm. and Nirkirk steadies the ship. You know, it doesn't go you know crazy, but just starts to accelerate, and yeah. and you kind of then you realised, okay, this format's going to work. You know, it's going to be able to ebb and flow. You can lose a few wickets and get back into it. So yeah, I think that was an important game for the you know just to convince everybody that format was good. My my game, I think I'd I'd call out um, on the women's side though is the is the Southern Brave versus the Birmingham Phoenix game. Hmm. So it's gonna I think it was probably the highest run chase um, on the on the women's side. Phoenix make 140, um, and kind of everybody you know in the top order gets a gets a pretty reasonable looking score. You know, Verma gets quite quite a few at a, at a runner ball. Both um, both Joneses make runs again you know, over a runner ball. Katie Matt gets quite a lot. I think almost going, almost going to a ball. Um, so it looked like that score was going to take some getting, and then the fact that the Brave chase it down, you know, with only two down, kind of for me sort of set the tone for quite a lot of the women's tournament. It sort of said, okay, they, you know, almost whatever the whatever you get, the Brave have got the batting lineup to chase it down, and. And so I suppose that's what made the, the final such a surprise when, you know, when they didn't yeah. melt it like a pack of soggy pombas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, how apt. Um, you've, you've, um, you've mentioned Danny Van Nieke. We've all mentioned her a fair bit. She has been crowned the MVP of the tournament on the women's side. And Liam Livingston has picked it up, I think, on the men's side as well. But I want to know who you want to crown as your players of the tournament as well. So, Rich, do you agree with the stats or are you going to go with something else? No, I think it's fair you know, who who been been called out on that side. But I think it's more interesting to maybe look at it from a slightly different angle. And I think when we reviewed the Oval at the, at the beginning, we said that they're going to be very, very dependent on their South African core. You know, who's going to step up to support that? And I think the revelation of the tournament has been 17-year-old Alice Capsey, who celebrated her birthday during the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, both with bat and ball. I mean, she sort of had 150 runs in the tournament, um, including that sort of uh, you know half century against the Spirit at Lords, but also a very important 18 off 12 in the final that really you know put some impetus mm-hmm. into that innings and got them up you know above 115. But also then it, then it comes down to sort of her you know her bowling, which was pretty crucial as well. You know, she was bowling off spinning in, the, in, in important moments. She was fourth overall in terms of economy, only four point. Three two, uh, and when you consider bowlers who bowled more than hundred balls in the tournament, she's actually second. So second most economical bowler, and you know also scored hundred fifty runs with a bat. Ten wickets contributed as well there, and I just thought sort of her tournament boiled down to a moment in the eliminator when the Birmingham Phoenix still needed thirty off twenty, which is perfectly kind of you know gettable uh, scenario. You know you you got a bat well, but you know doable. Mm-hmm. She bowls 10 balls in a row and she only gives up seven. Plus she gets yeah. Georgia Elvis, England international outcourt and bowled with a great catch. And, you know, then suddenly they've lost their, their last remaining batter. 
they need 23 off 10 game over so mm. not just the stats she put her hand up and you know, took the ball in critical mm. situations so that's why i thought she was one of the player talk in- players of the team for me incredibly consistent for such a young player and surely such a bright future ahead of her go on and give us your men's uh, player of the tournament whilst you're there as well rich go on um, I'll give you one. Yeah, I, a lot of focus on the batting, big hitting. But for me, Adam Mill was the guy, mm. uh, you know, leading wicket taker and leading economy rate, you know, 4.78. Fantastic in the final. You know, you could say his teammates let him down. You know, he has yeah. 20 balls for eight runs with two wickets, including yeah. the big one of Quinton de Kock. Um, two incredible spells. Yeah. 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 I think he's just been, he's been fantastic throughout. And um, the fact he's only your reserve for the Kiwis T20 squad, you know, Either means they've got some pretty good players ahead of him, or maybe they need to think their selection a little bit ahead. Mm. But uh, okay. I thought I thought Mill was fantastic throughout. So you've picked the number two on the MVP for the men and the number three on the statistical MVP chart for the women. So nothing too controversial, though, overall, really, there. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it, though. They're good picks. You've justified it. Ollie, who have you got? Uh, so I think on the on the women's side, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for um Jamal Rodriguez. Just and I, I know they didn't get into the latter, you know, latter stage of the competition. But if you think back to the sort of the, the first few few games, and, and almost to the you know the couple of weeks before you know the tournament started, you know, we did our preview shows and we talked about all these great names that were coming over. You know, particularly we called out quite a few Australians that we we're looking forward to seeing. Um, you know, and they they didn't you know they didn't make it, and so you know, I guess there was this question mark about, you know, actually has the tournament lost something in terms of the, you know, the overseas stars, Um, you know, then she goes out and starts, you know, starts scoring runs for fun. You know, she's still, I think she still ended up with a top score in the the tournament, didn't she, with her 92. So I think, yeah, yeah. So, you know, top score in the, in the tournament, you know, Mm -hmm. full, full stop there. Right. So, so I think, yeah, I think her contribution to the tournament to just you know get that get that excitement about you know wow look at the quality of cricket and look at you know look at the stars that we're getting to see you know seeing over here doing their stuff I think you know shouldn't shouldn't be underestimated you know so yeah great yeah, yeah, yeah and she I think she would have been my, my MVP but then I saw that duet she did with Mark Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think they, uh, the Indian girls did really well. The uh, the top three innings in the women's game were all from the uh, Indian overseas players in Jemima Rodriguez, Smriti Mandana and Shafali Verma. So I mean, it's um, got some a, good performances out there. Women's women's IPL. Yeah. Is it going to happen? When not if. Okay, so and your men's side? Yeah, sorry, uh, men's player. Danny Briggs, surely. <laughs> I can't remember whether we took a wicket in the first over in any of these or not. No, because it wasn't over. <laughs> and I'm forbidding you from bringing that up again. Go on. Who's your men's player? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with a bowler from the uh, Southern Brave, though. I think we. Um, one of the things we said at the start was, is anybody going to get themselves on the plane to the T20 World Cup? Mm. And, you know, okay, so Livingston you know, has a very good tournament. But I think he was probably inked into the squad already. All he's done is just go over it a few times in Sharpie. But Timal Mills wasn't on that list, but surely he's got to be now. Right? You know, last night, Bowles, what, takes one for 13 in his 20. And the Eliminator takes three for eight. Right? Though, you know, and he's not, he's also, he's not like he's just bowling sort of the. What do you think George pick- Gartner will think about then? Has he bowled pretty well over the two days as well? Well, he's he just did. got himself an IPL contract as well, George Gardner. Yeah, he did. Going to RCB. 
you know, who who is it that's bowling the death overs? Right. They, when when it when it gets serious, they they were turning to turning to Mills or, or to or to Jordan. Chris Jordan, you know, bowled very well in both those games as well. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that Garton didn't have a great tournament, and, and I'm sure his time in in the international arena will come. But I think if you're gonna, you know, if you've got to take a take an extra name on the plane, you're looking at Mills surely. Okay. Uh, happy with those. I will go again. I'll go back to my, you know, my emotionals uh, side as you as you uh, will appreciate. I'm going to go with two players who I think gave everything to the tournament. Uh, on the women's side, I'd like to give a shout out to Sophia Dunkley. Um, had a great tournament with the bat. Scored a lot of crucial runs. Not a great start in the tournament, but really picked it up and capping a fantastic summer. And then we saw after yesterday's final and, and the disappointment for her, actually she came over to where you and I were sitting at the time, Molly, and mm. you could just tell that she'd given everything to that game and she was absolutely in bits. And, uh, you know, I think she'll be back and she'll be a great star for years to come. So uh, well done uh, to her. And she's got nothing to be ashamed of in that sense. And the other one I've already mentioned, I think in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, finals preview that we did uh, just a couple of days ago in, in Rashid Khan. I think he's come over to the tournament and absolutely shown uh, what a class act he is with his bowling, taking 12 wickets in his fit in the field with the batters required uh, and, and shown um, everything that we would want from the number one draft pick in terms of not just the cricket, but in also in terms of what we want from our cricketers. So hats off, big yellow sun hat off to you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right, let's have some champagne moments. That's the old test match special term for the thing that you enjoyed most. Uh, Ollie, off you go. Well, we've we've kind of already touched on mine because, you know. Okay. Well, keep it quick. Chin, chin music. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, okay. I, I love the fact that, you know, that Milne and, you know, and March and DeLange, you know, were, were tearing it up, you know, really cranking up the speed gun. Um, you know, I love the fact that Lauren Bell, you know, it kind of reminds me a bit of Curtly Ambrose was, um, you know, was... <laughs> Just got that same. It's that the knees up running in. Oh, I see. She, right. she plays bass. The knees, the knees <laughs> and, she's, and she's very tall, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, you want to see a bit of aggression from your quicks, and so yeah, Marazan Cat. Okay. Takes no prisoners. Loved it. Right. Absolutely loved it. Right in the ear hole. Okay, uh, Rich, your champagne moment. Oh, I'll give you a couple, like a one good, one good, one bad. Um, the Ollie alluded it to earlier when he was talking about Headingley for that Superchargers Originals game. And the moment where Tom Lamanby not only drops a catch, but spoons it over the boundary, I think, for four or six, right in front of the Western Terrace. Oh. And, uh, you know, he looked like he just wanted the ground to swallow him up at that point. And it was, it was an incredible moment. Um, yeah. But actually, when we had a chat with Simon, Simon Katic on the podcast, uh, um, he said that you know they were hoping to try and keep the Western Terrace quiet. Well, that that is not that is not the way to do it. There is not going to be a stunned silence. How did he drop that response from the Western Terrace? Yeah, yeah that's just cranking it up a few decibels if you do that but, kind of thing. But I think my real one is is just to tie up a few of the names mentioned uh, in the last few minutes. The the moment where you say Dunkley was playing so well, she was the key batter in that final, and Van Niekerk. Decides to go with multiple slips in a hundred games and lords and cap is bowling fast and she gets the outside edge and she takes you know, you know Danica takes the catch a second slip. Great captaincy, incredibly bold, good execution. You get the opposition star player out, you win the cup. Champagne yeah. moment. Yeah. And for me, 
I'm going to avoid going for Alex Hales being hit middle stump twice in a <laughs> two balls in a row <laughs> because that's just too much. No, I will I will round up my my uh, tournament highlights with the, the most emotional of all, the 42-year-old Imran Tahir doing a lap <laughs> of Edge Baston after taking the most meaningless hat-trick of his career to date, I suspect. But no, it was just wonderful. Um, you know, got me out, out of my chair and, and again, feeling all the all the blood rush to my feet, I suppose, out of yeah. my wheelchair. Can I, can I actually give a sort of an honourable mention to, uh, to Paul Sterling as well? Yeah, Because I think... Um, I'm sure, I'm sure he won't mind me saying that. He sort of, I think he gives hope to club cricketers because he's, you know, <laughs> he's he's not sort of. You know, he he's not the most he, likely looking cricketer. He's not the most no. likely. Looking, however, I think I don't know if you guys will agree, but certainly every cricket team I've ever played in has got a sort of Paul Sterling shaped sort of cricketer in it, who typically, you know has a irritatingly good hand-eye coordination and likes to slap the ball over cow corner, which I think, you know, is probably, you know, what it says at the top of Paul Sterling's CV. Uh, you know, Paul's some tricky offspin. Actually, you know, contributed really well with the with the ball this, this tournament. Um, but kind of my, my other sort of club cricket comparison is, is with Benny Howell, who also just looks very innocuous and you always sort of think, why doesn't someone just slap him over cow corner? And that's exactly what Paul Sterling did. <laughs> Benny Howell comes on and first ball, I think it is, just slaps him straight into the into the mound stand. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that because it was it was sort of exactly what I would hope to happen. And it did. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. Benny Howell will be back, though. I've no doubt about yeah. it. So uh, what else will be back? Well, the tournament will be back. We think, I know, I think they've got four years paid up front for this thing. So the 100 will return to your screens or podcasts or your favourite YouTube channel. Do feel free to subscribe <laughs> um, at some point next year. Um, so what do we want from the tournament uh, next time it comes out? And just trying to keep this concise because there's a lot of opinion there out there about it. I think we might want to let the death dust settle a bit. But what might we want uh, from the tournament next time round? And I'll I'll just nick the obvious one straight up because you know it's my question. Um, and that I just want them to just be a little bit more considerate in the scheduling. There you go. Enough said on that. I think we've covered that one to death. Anyone else? Rich, what do you reckon? I want um, better overseas stars in the men's competition. Okay. You prefer it not to take place during a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we can all wish yeah. for that in world peace. Um, yeah. Do you have any other sort of hopes? Well, actually, I mean, I don't think that's just about the pandemic. I think it's to do with you know, honouring contracts. Um, mm. you know, Rashid Khan was the number one pick. He came over. Um, I don't think it's necessarily about filling it with Australians. Um, I think it's a unique window. I think what the women did uh, who came over from India showed that, you know, that you, you, if you bring in you know, the Indian stars, then that adds credibility to the tournament. I don't think it has to compete with the IPL. So the idea if you could get some of the Indian players, that would be a coup for the ECB. But also as well, I think there's this, you know, fantastic cricket loving communities in the UK, uh, not just Indians, but also Pakistani, Bangladeshi communities as well. Uh, and it would be good to see some more Pakistani and Bangladeshi players involved as well. So I think, you know, thinking a little bit harder about you know, the overseas stars and not just guys who are already here for the blast, take the point about the pandemic. But I think that that would really boost it. 
Um, let's let's let elevate it. Let's yeah. have Sandeep Lamashani back next year as well for the Nepal. Yeah, give him a give him a damn uh, visa. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if you, I mean, one thing we could talk about is: do we want to see more? Do we want to see more teams? No. Uh, I'd be quite no. interested. Uh, I'd be quite interested to break the North versus South uh, London stranglehold and have an East London team get um, <sighs> get 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 the uh, get the Olympic Stadium, nice short boundaries. Get some Bangladeshi stars over. Yeah, you'd get a, you'd get a real following. You would. It would be popular. It would it bring in new audiences? Yes, it would. So you know, if that's what this tournament is about. Oh, are you that saying that because you'd be able to walk to the stadium? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> no, yeah, the the exactly. serious point here is, um, you know, it, it could expand. There are rumours out there that it might go to 10. I'd rather see it just settle in for a few years. Let's see what it does. Yeah. Let's get the basic errors that are, are with the tournament sorted first. Uh, and then maybe then let's have a look at your uh, your ideas on it. You're passing up the chance of having a team based in Bristol called Lethal Brizzle. <laughs> Yeah, no, I am at the moment. I'm afraid. Um, oh, I think the Banksy-inspired logo could be could be awesome. It it will probably happen at some point, I suspect. But right now, I think that's prodding the the uh, the the wounds, as it were, of county cricket. I'd rather see them actually trying to sort it out so everyone can enjoy as much of it properly in the right sort of schedule. Okay. Uh, one thing that may mean that I enjoy it a bit more is if they agree on what the bloody colours are supposed to be <laughs> because why were the Oval Invincibles playing in a blue cap despite their sort of greeny oh, greeny right. kit okay. there's a perfectly good Oval Invincibles cap out there because it was I just spotted someone sporting it all the way down in Cornwall yeah. that matched the kit but yeah the cap, their playing cap was a strange royal blue so okay. someone in the kit department needs to sort that out for next year out, out of all of the complaints about 100 yeah. That must I bring some. Somebody's complained about the hat color. <laughs> That's your your designer eye yeah. to the four again. I'm afraid. Okay, um, let's pads. talk gold pads. You shouldn't be allowed to wear gold pads. It's you know, it's like it's like the oh, yeah. you know kids that used to turn up in coloured boots when we were playing football. At, you know, I'm all youth. for that kind of stuff. I've got no problem with the colours. Um, gold pads. Okay, let's talk about us. Do, are we allowed to do that? Um, what do we want to do next with the channel? So I think we're going to do some more, aren't we? Rich, got no ideas? Well, there's no shortage of uh, short-form cricket going on. We've got the T20 Blast this week, which I'm very much looking forward to. The Caribbean Premier League starting. We've got the IPL coming up later in the year. And then we've got the T20 World Cup. I think that... Um, there's a lot of fantastic content out there covering cricket. Um, you know, we we watch a lot of it, but sometimes the short format game doesn't get the same, you know, respect it deserves. I think, and I think there's a lot of you know fans who enjoy watching it, who enjoy consuming it, and are looking for uh, you know you know people to uh, to talk about it, reflect that interest and enjoyment. So perhaps we can help fill that fill that niche. I think that's it. So you know, I'm a hack. I'll turn the laptop for you anytime. And we will, uh, <laughs> we will, uh, I'm sure, be back at some point over the coming weeks. Let's talk about some of the short format stuff that's going on. We will always be, I think, keen to follow the 100. Uh, and we will hopefully be back this time next year. Uh, right, I'll give you a closing tirade. Yeah. Last thoughts. Well, let me give you one brief thing on that in that, 
you know, okay. we talk about the Caribbean Premier League, Jake Lintot, off the back of his performance. You know, the guy was even a professional cricketer before this tournament. He was a teacher. Yeah. He's now flying off to the Caribbean for six weeks to play in this tournament. George Garton has got an IPL contract yeah. off the back of this for Royal Challengers Bangalore. So, you know, as we said at the beginning, you know, people who get exposure in the 100 are going to be off playing in these different leagues. So, yeah, well, be perhaps, yeah. my... Uh... My phone is on standby, waiting to get a call from the, the Caribbean Premier League to go and go and cover <laughs> that ball. <laughs> I think we'll be doing it from here, I'm afraid, Ollie. But we will be here. So if you have been on this journey with us, we thank you so much. We've got uh, so many subscribers, so many good comments, so many great likes, and and all that engagement. Thank you so much for that. And we will uh, we will be back. So uh, if you are with us for the first time, join in now. We'll be there. <laughs>